Welcome to our Post Oak Popcast Summertime Special. To start, we are so excited to share with you a very special interview with Dr. Ott. Dr. Ott has played an immense role in the development and success of our high school and was one of my favorite teachers. The interview is led by a recent Post Oak graduate who now attends New York University. Post Oak parent Teresa Lin then shares with us her story on immigrating to the United States from Taiwan and having to change her identity to fit into this new culture. Enjoy! Let's get this started. How are you? How are you feeling? Um, I have to say I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm beyond end of school tired. It's, it's been a, it's been a year and it's, it's been a very, very hard year. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a rough year and I'm ready to be, I'm very ready to be done both for the year and like from career wise. Yeah. Right. What is one thing that you will do the second year in summer? Sleep. Sleep. (laughs) Yeah, and stare into space while I'm listening to audiobooks. So I want to know, where did you grow up? What made you be in this position today? Yeah, how you're here. Um, What led to you working at Post Oak? Okay. Um, Well, in in, I'll try to make it as brief as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I was born in Brooklyn, New York. I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, I never thought of myself as going into teaching. That was not something I wanted to do. When I got to college, I realized what I didn't want to do was get into corporate America. That I knew. And so I ended up going, I got very interested. Between my junior and senior year, I worked in a nursing home and I became, I worked on what was effectively known as the psych ward. And I became interested in the folks, they, they all had either Alzheimer's or dementia or a stroke, recovering from a stroke. And I was very, I became very interested in, in how the brain recovered or didn't. And what the issues were that uh, in dementia, was it an input issue? Was it an output issue? What was it? And, Mm -hmm. and so I started reading and studying that my senior year and an independent study, and then ended up going to graduate school in Mm -hmm. that arena. And so in graduate school, I came to realize that although I, I was very interested in this topic, I really hated research. I just despised being in the lab, you know, I loved thinking up um, experiments, but the tedium mm-hmm. of being in the lab day in day out. My mm-hmm. best, my my best experiences in graduate school was always in the classroom and, and and teaching. And I came to recognize that I wanted to be a teacher more than I wanted to be a researcher. And so, mm-hmm. teaching biology at the college level, you need postdocs. And so I went off to do a postdoc. And so I did that in in. Um, in alcohol research at the University mm-hmm. of Florida College of Medicine. And then I was very fortunate to find an ad for the Evergreen State College. And it was all team taught coordinated studies around a thematic project or event or issue. I loved teaching at Evergreen until I didn't. My nieces were like clamoring for me to be in Texas to be nearer them. And at the same time, my brother became ill with cancer. And so I started looking for jobs. And one of them turned up at Chinkapin, which is in Highlands, Texas. And I was there for two years. I started looking for another job. And the only one I even applied 
four was this one because okay. I was fascinated with the idea of helping to start a school mm-hmm. and a Montessori school at that because Evergreen was often called Montessori for adults. And oh, wow. so, okay. so I'd had yeah. that experience and I was like, oh, that looks like fun, you know? Yeah. And, and I knew that the exciting things that were happening in education were happening at the high school level, not actually at the college level that was getting pretty boring. So um, that's why I decided to come here and was very lucky to be hired. Yeah. yeah. What so, were some of the first things that captured you about Post Oak High School? And how did you know that this was where you wanted to be? Um, John Long. Yeah. So my my interview was with um, James Mudry and John Long. And John mm-hmm. Long and I were having this wide-ranging, very intriguing discussion about education in general and mm-hmm. my thoughts about it and his thoughts about it. And, you know, we really just hit it off. And so he was why I came here. He's a great man. Yeah, he um, was pretty fabulous. Yeah, he still is. <laughs> <laughs> In as little words as possible, how would you describe your experience at the high school? Um, great team. Fabulous team. Um, interesting students. Flexibility in curriculum, particularly at the nine ten level. Um, what are some of your plans for this next chapter in your life? Um, I'm looking forward to a number of things. One, just having some, not having to push so hard to mm-hmm. to get stuff done. I'm just, you know, having some a period of rest and relaxation. Yeah. But I, I have several projects in 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 my head, I, I want to go through my house and like strip down to the bare minimum and be able to pack stuff away so that I actually can spend like a couple of years traveling around the country, figuring out where I want to live yeah. and also doing some projects. And those pro- I have three different projects. One, figuring out how to trade options in a way that actually I can create a stream of income. And, and then to do some research on my family, on ancestry. And so going to where my dad's family spent 300 years and my mom's family spent 300 years and learn more as much about them as I can yeah, while I'm there for a month super or two. interesting. Yeah. And yeah. then also to take my personal finance class and put it into a book and a workbook and an online, you know, online self-directed class. That's amazing. I would a hundred percent read that. Oh, thanks. One of my biggest regrets is actually not taking your finance A term or J term. Oh, see, I've I've had many people ask, "Can I come back for my January term?" And I very much would be happy to do that. So I think that's a must. Yeah. Do you plan on doing some traveling or? I do. So I, you know, I'm, I want to figure out where I want to live. I, I know I don't want to live in Houston. I don't like heat. I don't like humidity. I can't stand the yeah. traffic. So um, I want a college town. I want a town where there's stuff to do. There are several places I'm thinking about looking at, and that's up the West Coast, like in, okay. you know, north of. San Francisco, either Northern California or anywhere in Oregon or Washington. Mm-hmm. I also have friends in Ann Arbor and they've been trying to get me there and it's near upper Michigan. And that's also sort of, it's very Pacific Northwest up there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to live with them for a while and see what, you know, and I've got like a book group up there already. So I'm thinking about Fine. that. 
Yeah, there's a couple of places on the East Coast. I have cousins in North Carolina that are trying to get me to move there. So I'm going to try several places out. Yeah, I have options. None outside of the U.S. None outside of the U.S. Well, sort of. I also have a friend in Southern France. She's trying to get me over there. And Okay, my next question is, if you could tell yourself when you first started out post joke some wisdom, what would that wisdom be? <laughs> Avoid the carbs. <laughs> it's I, hard at post joke because it's, it's, I, every day it's, it's like, I mean, my gosh, goal. there's always stuff to eat here. Always, and, it, and it's always carbs. And it's, and, um, um, yeah, I, wow, some wisdom. Get organized and get organized in a hurry. That's, okay. I think that would be it. Yeah. I think that's a very important one, especially yeah. with the amount of freedom and individuality that it, there is at Post Oak. What do you think have been some of your more um, prominent contributions to the Post Oak community and also vice versa? Um, to the community, I would say building the connection with the HMNS mm-hmm. in general, but the paleo connection in in specific that yeah. you know until covid okay. hit we had a very strong connection with the paleo lab um and that felt like a real contra- literal contribution i would also say yeah. the personal finance class that i really felt like i i contributed that mm-hmm. i i would say um both the ib curriculum and and the 910 science curriculum yeah um i'm thinking in terms of oh and the work with the uh, Diversity, Equity, Inclusivity, and Justice Committee. Yeah, it's um, The last couple of years we've done, am- I have to say, I feel like we've done amazing work and it's made it, it's starting to make a difference. Yeah. That's great. And what about any lifelong contributions or important contributions that you felt you've received from either the students or the community? I would say that there are friendships with with some of the staff and faculty and and students that mm-hmm. are going to be lifelong. I mean, there are students um, from that first year that I'm still in contact with. You know, it's always relationships, isn't it? You know, it's course, always yeah. the people that matter. So I, w- I would say those friendships. Um, any memorable <clears throat> trips that you've had with the school or... Uh, even any funny or memorable anecdotes from your time there? Yes. I, I, I Yeah, there have been a number. So um, I would say the, always the paleo trips and not just for yeah. the fact that, you know, there were always <laughs> disasters necessarily, but just because of, of how important they became. I mean, the, the students contributed so much that we were invited back. And that's okay. pretty unusual that for students to impress really important paleontologists. Yeah, you know, that's tough. And and they're they're very they were careful, they were they were good at their work, they were doing mm-hmm. good work. And so mm-hmm. that I think that was um, memorable. I'd say some of the some of the trips, I'd say that first trip that we took to um, Mississippi, the Southern Mississippi uh, Marine mm-hmm. Science Center was pretty memorable for so many reasons. Uh, shark tagging was pretty cool. That came the second That time. was fun. Yeah. <clears throat> I would say the other ones, to Shumla, we went to Shumla our second year and we couldn't go back because we had too many students. 
Mm. And Shumla, which is the study of human land and art or something like that. Anyway, so Mm -hmm. it was down in, um, it's near Del Rio and it's where the white shaman is painted on the cave. So it's, it's native art and it was really cool. We had a great time. And unfortunately, you know, those first two years when we only had 15 and then 30 students mm-hmm. was nearly magical in many ways because we could take the entire school, you know, to Spanish lunch or Chinese lunch and yeah. do some pretty amazing things that we couldn't It's a do. very personal environment. Didn't didn't you didn't you feel like when you got to college that you had adv- advantages over your colleagues because you knew how to talk to teachers in ways 100%, that they didn't? A hundred percent. Even writing emails, uh-huh. it was just my friends would from my classes would text me and be like, "Hey, can you please write an email?" And I'm like, <laughs> "This is just an everyday thing, you know." Like, <laughs> like don't you don't, know how to do this? Yes, they're here to help you. Like, your teachers want you to do your best, which is something that. Um, post-doc really really engraves is that connection between teachers and students and not to be afraid to reach out and I think you always did that you always encourage questions and um, comments Um, what is a myth or um, something that you would like to debunk about being a science teacher wow something that I would oh that I don't know everything about every science topic and I'm not a medical doctor. <laughs> yeah, that is so true. I feel like people would go up to you and be like, I have this symptom, I have this. What do I do? What do I need? <laughs> it's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Um, and in your opinion, how has the post community shifted throughout these, is it nine years now? Nine years. Nine years. Um, there's, oh, man. That's, that's a big question, Maria. That's yeah, a really is. big question. <laughs> and there's so many facets to it. Like I said, those first two years were magical because of how few students there were. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also, I will say, hard as I would use the, you know, the other word, but hard as heck because – because we were, we had so many hats, mm-hmm. you know, we had to, we taught PF, we taught, you know, we're doing all these things that it was like, wait a yeah. second. I, no, you had, you had a Spanish teacher teaching volleyball. <laughs> I know exactly. It's like, are you kidding me? Oh my goodness. Anyway. So we, you know, we were asked to do everything all the time and, and we had to be at every open house, which they had like once a month. And oh my goodness, there was just so yeah. much to do all the time. It's gotten more structured. We've gotten bigger. We have another, you know, we, we first we built another building and then we built you know, across the street. And now we've got a, you don't know this, but yeah. we have another building and a, you know, a basketball wow. court and it's covered and it's gorgeous. And it keeps so growing and growing, it keeps and growing. growing, but it's not, it, you know, it hasn't gotten bigger in terms of numbers necessarily. Mm-hmm. So once we capped out at like 90 or a hundred, we've sort of stayed there, but I, I, I would say it's just, it's changed a lot. So, yeah. You know, especially this past year has been incredibly difficult as a teacher, you know, you're not having Especially when you guys were fully online. Yeah, I mean, considering Miss Mayhew, Hannah, and I spent all summer last year looking at 
for online simulations and online labs. And we came up with several really good ones. And I think the students actually didn't lose out on much of anything in terms of not doing actual labs. There's some few minor things, but I think for the most part, they had a very good science experience in terms of labs and stuff. I have a new question. What is a book, a podcast that you've been listening to that you would recommend and that has either helped you throughout your time at Postdoc or just in general? Man, there are so many books to recommend. I read a lot. Like I really read a lot. I will say that considering how much work I've been doing in the diversity group, I would say that the books that I've read that make me think the most are the Mm -hmm. ones in that realm. So in terms of nonfiction, I would say um, Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. I would say um, How to Be an Anti-Racist, and I can't off the top of my head think who that is. And the one I'm reading now called The Sum of Us, which is kind of goes into details that Cast doesn't. So they're important for white people to read Mm -hmm. about what's happening in the world today and has been happening for 400 years and Agreed. carried forward from slavery. I would say that the nonfiction that I've read lately, I'm sorry, the fiction one that I've the read fiction. lately that affected me the most is the Midnight Library, which really just okay. made me think about life. Um, Interesting. Yeah, because it, it, it's about the kind of limbo between life and death. Mm -hmm. and the million parallel lives that you might have lived. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all the little choices that you make every day and where that takes you. And it just, I've, it's kind of stayed with me and I think about it and it's like, huh, all those little choices, all those little choices that you make. Every single choice has some impact. Exactly. So I was your advicee. Yep. You're my advisor. What is one thing that you think advisor and advicee relationships offered to post oak? How do you think that makes oh. the community stronger? Wow. I, th- I think because, you know, if we actually connect with our advisees once a week um, and they're communicative with you, it goes both ways. I, I would say the fact that we have these connections and we can give you not only the structural support, but the structural pieces to help you learn how to organize your work, how, how, to, how to write an email, how to, how to approach faculty, how to ask for the support that you need. Yeah, I think those are pieces that you carry for the rest of your life. I mean, the the advantages that we've heard from from um, post oak graduates, almost to a person, are I know how to talk to my faculty more than my colleagues do. I know how to reach out yeah. for help more than my colleagues do. I know how to seminar better than ninety percent of the folks there. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. And I know how to write an essay in ways that most of my colleagues don't. And I know how to do research in ways that my colleagues don't. Yeah. Yeah. I would have to agree with all of those. Yeah. Is there a specific question that I didn't ask that you that you want to say or you want something specific to share? 
I have loved my time at Post Oak. I have loved the team. I have really appreciated Mora's leadership and the direction that I think this team is taking the school in general and the high school in particular. Yeah, I, you know, so that's what I'd like to say. I feel like I'm leaving the high school in very good hands. I think we did Mm -hmm. a great job in hiring. And I think the three faculty that are taking over Hannah's and my positions are going to be great. And yes, it did take three, uh, three people to replace both of us. Um, you guys did too much work. In my opinion, too much. I'm just saying. <laughs> and we're so thankful for all the work that you've done. I oh, truly thanks. think you've been such an influential part of Posto. You know, you're going to be very, very missed in this community. Thank you. Appreciate Thank- it. Up next, we hear from Post Oak parent Teresa Shu-Ai Lin, who shared her story of having to change her name as a child when her family moved to the United States from Taiwan. When I was about nine years old, I started to hear that my parents were planning to move from Taiwan to the United States. And as part of the preparation for the move, my parents had told us that we were all going to have to use a new name, a different name. The Chinese name that I was given when I was born is Lin Shu Ai. My whole life up until that point, I have been called by my Chinese name. And so I didn't really understand this idea of having to pick a new name. But my parents treated it like, you know, every other sort of um, to-do for this move, which is, you know, we just got to take care of it. And it applied to everyone in the family. It applied to my father. It applied to my mother, my older brother, and my younger sister and me. My parents, they did not know very many people with American names. And so, you know, they reached into this limited pool of knowledge that they had and essentially picked three names um, for us. For my brother, they picked the name Johnson, which was the American name of one of my dad's friends. Both really love this Taiwanese singer. Um, Her name is Teresa Tang. And for me, they picked Teresa. Uh, For my sister, they picked Alice from Alice in Wonderland. So um, at that point, it was just done. And I remember coming, once we actually moved to um, the United States, my parents reminded me over and over, remember um, Shuai, you know, when I started going to the English speaking school, you know, no one's going to call you Shuai, they're all going to call you by your new American name, Teresa. And I had to remember that, um, because I wasn't used to it at all. And it just sounded really foreign. And so for most of my for most of my schooling through adult life, I really have forgotten that you know my Chinese name became my middle name now. So it's Teresa Shu Ai Lin. And it really has been sort of discarded. It's just not used by anyone. With the recent events all of the violence against Asians that has been happening has really called 
into my mind sort of this rethinking of what it means for me to be Chinese, for me to be Asian. And one of the things that I thought about was just this practice of giving up our Chinese names by adopting an American name so that, you know, of course, it was to make things easier. Chinese names are hard to pronounce um, for Americans, and there are uh, sounds that are unfamiliar um, to the English language. And they, I'm sure, have had experiences with people not pronouncing their names correctly and all of that was their way of trying to spare us, the children, from having to go through the discomfort and embarrassment and possibly shame of dealing with, you know, not having our names pronounced correctly by our friends and by our teachers in school. I've done a lot of thinking about just this trade-off, you know, where you essentially give up your identity, your own cultural identity in the form of your name, in the name of not wanting to make anyone uncomfortable or, you know, more than anything, I guess, really trying to make sure your children can assimilate into English-speaking American society. We would like to express a big thank you to Dr. Ott, Maria, and Teresa for joining us for this summertime special. These stories are something we will revisit time and time again, and we are so grateful for the impact all three of you have had on our community. We hope you enjoyed this episode and tune in with us again in the future.